Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below the video online at fellowshipgj.com or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through your fellowship profile on the Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for ember waves of green, for purple mountain majesties above the Across the plains of Texas, from sea to shining. 
thank you guys so much for coming out to celebrate with us this weekend. Happy 4th of July weekend. Guys, I felt it so heavy on me this morning. I feel like God was saying, I'm still big enough. I'm still big enough to resurrect the situation that our country's going through. I'm still big enough to resurrect your situation. And he is the God that is in the business of turning things around. He gives beauty for ashes. He gives joy for mourning. So we are just going to praise into that promise this morning. Come on.
whatever the enemy throws at us, whatever life throws at us, whatever this world throws at us, and you can redeem it and you can turn it around. You gave us that promise in your word that you will work together all things according to the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And God, we're here to declare that we love you. And many of us this morning are facing battles and giants and we ask in Jesus' name that you would turn it and that you would bring about the victory for us, your people that love you. And God, that you would cause us to be able to look back and say that God did that miracle. And God, we pray for refreshing, we pray for strength, we pray for hope, we pray for healing for every person in this room or watching on live stream this morning. God, that you would give us that breakthrough, that victory that we need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, church family, welcome. If you're in the room, turn, greet one another and make your way back to your seats. If you are watching from home, we'd love to extend a very special welcome to you. We are thrilled that you're here. If you would, comment right there on the thread. Just write first time in the comment section. If you're a guest or a visitor and one of the pastors will jump online with you, get a little bit of information about you and be able to connect with you in the future. For those of you who are here in the room with us, if you are visiting for the first time, just stop by our information counter. We'll be happy to assist you walking through the process, getting to know just a little bit more about you. We'd love to give you a tour of our facilities in the future and let you connect with some of the staff and pastors, get to know your family a little bit. Well, we're just thrilled that everyone's gathering together, whether at home or in person, and that we're able to worship together this morning. The Bible tells us that when two or three are gathered, that God's presence is there in our midst. And I believe that qualifies for certain in this room, as well as in your homes today. I hope you felt the presence of God just strengthening you this morning. Well, if you um, have come prepared to give, we'd love to challenge you to do so in a variety of ways. Um, if you're in the worship center, there'll be drop boxes on your way out you can use. Otherwise, there's digital options, which is the text giving, and you can go to fellowshipgj.com. Of course, you can use your church center app, and all the directions and explanations and stuff for all that is right there on the side. But the Bible tells us that whenever we come to God's house, we shouldn't come empty-handed, but we should come bringing something to the kingdom of God. Now, as a woman, that's something I understand. If I get invited to another woman's house, I always ask, what can I bring? I want to bring a veggie tray. I want to bring a dessert. I want to bring something because I don't want to go to someone else's house empty-handed. And I think that's the principle that God's using in Deuteronomy 16 when he said, hey, don't, don't come to the celebration in my honor empty-handed. And what we bring is we bring our worship, we bring our thanksgiving, we bring our celebration, but also we bring an offering. And we bring that to God's house, or we mail it, or we text it in, or however you do it, but you bring it to God's house as a symbol of, I thought about this celebration, and I came prepared to celebrate the goodness of my God here in, in church this morning. So hopefully everyone's come prepared to give and let's pray a blessing over each one. God, we know that in this economy, in this reality, we have got to have your protection in our lives, your overseeing when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our health, when it comes to our relationships. God, we need you. And God, we ask that you would pour out a special covering on each one within our church family this morning, that you would protect them in all of these areas. God, that you would bring provision that is needed, strength, hope, peace, healing, whatever it is, God, that you would just supernaturally come through. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 
Well, guys, if you have ever thought, hey, it'd be fun to have a kid, but I don't want an 18-year commitment, then children's ministry is for you, okay? This is a perfect opportunity. You can come, you can play with a little cute little three-year-old, and then you can, you know, give them back. We'll, we'll, we'll give them back to their parents. So there's a way that you can get involved. We'd love to have some of you. Um, we're looking at this season for adults, 18 and over, uh, to serve in our children's ministry with our nursery-age kids. I'm about two years old through uh, first grade, we're also looking for additional workers in kids' church, second through fifth grade, and very soon we'll be reopening our student center, and we'll be needing more people to work with middle schoolers. I know. I'm excited for that. Um, so when that all happens, if you're interested, stop by the information counter or drop a message on Facebook or email one of the pastors or staff. We'll get you connected with all the links to sign up. But we need more adults that are willing to say, I will mentor those kids. I will invest in them. I'll make sure they understand the gospel um, at an age-appropriate level for them. So we'd love to have you join us for that. This morning, uh, Pastor Dan's going to be continuing in his series, and it is amazing. So get ready for this. Well, again, church family, I want to welcome you and say good morning. I believe that God wants to bless us and speak to us uh, today in this place. Thank you so much for coming out on this 4th of July weekend. I also want to welcome every one of you that are watching with us right now online or if you'll be viewing with us at a later time. We're so excited that you're viewing with us. I want to give a special shout out uh, to my beautiful baby girl, my youngest daughter, Kayla, who's watching from a hospital room right now. Um, her mother's with her as she's getting getting ready for uh, a surgery, and I just want to uh, uh, give praise and glory to God knowing that we know that God is taking care of her in this time. We know uh, that, that you're in God's hands. Daddy's going to be with you here real shortly, baby, but uh, uh, I'm here right now because I believe that um, I have a word that God has put in my heart that we need right now, and I was speaking to Amelie last night as we were, were getting her, uh, Kayla, to the emergency room, and uh, and I almost said, Dan, you got to go. You got to go tomorrow because God has put this word in, uh, in, in my heart because there's so many people that are hurting and need this. And this is not because Dan is smart. This is not because I have anything to say, but because God is showing me something in my own personal walk with God that, that out of scripture, how we can heal from heartache. See, we've been in this series uh, called When My Heart Comes Under Attack and part two today is healing from heartache because every one of us, go through different times in life where we just feel like there's so much on us and we feel like our heart has come under attack to the point to where we feel heartbroken. We feel like we're, our, my heart is just aching so bad. And I wanna dive right into a scripture right now uh, found in 2 Samuel chapter 12. In a little context of the scripture, we're talking about King David. And this is right after King David's mistake, his biggest mistake that many of you know about is his mistake with Bathsheba where um, he, stepped, uh, he stepped out of uh, his marriage and got this woman pregnant before they were married. And in doing so, um, they find themselves in a situation where this child is born to Bathsheba. And, and it says this starting in verse 18, it says, on the seventh day, the child died. And David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us. 
when we spoke to him, how can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves and he realized that the child was dead. Is, is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he's dead. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed and put on lotion and changed his clothes and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house and at, the, at his request they served him food and he ate. So in part two of this series today, I wanna talk to you about healing heartache. Healing heartache, and I believe that this is important for all of us because as long as you have breath in your lungs, you are going to experience some heartaches in life. You are going to go through times where you believe that your heart is broken and, and like there's something going wrong on the inside. A heartache, though, is different than a body ache because we all experience body aches, right? Like I'm, getting, I'm pushing on 40 right now, so it's like you'd be surprised the noises that come out of my knees and my neck when I get out of bed in the morning. How many of you know how I'm feeling, right? It's like, it's like snap, crackle, and pop, right? I need my Advil and, and, and I got my old man cream I put on. I, like, I, I smell like Icy Hot all the time, but it's like you got body aches. And here's the, the thing about a body ache is is you could have a headache, you could have a backache or a neckache or something like that. And normally there is a medical remedy that you can take when your body is aching. But here's the question I have for you. What do you take when your heart is aching? Okay, because with a body ache, sometimes we can get confused of even what part of our body hurts. Right? That's why we go to doctors and figure stuff like that out is because sometimes you will have a pain in one area but it'll show up in another. I remember that I really felt like I had pain in my neck and pain in my back. I wasn't sleeping right. And, and, and I, I came to find out later that I had no mobility in my left leg. And what had happened is I had pulled a muscle in, in, in my hamstring. So my hamstring being pulled is like was creating, that ache in my leg was creating problems where I wasn't sitting right, where uh, my posture was off. So now my back started hurting, my, my, now my neck's hurting. Now I'm not sleeping right at night and it's affecting my next day. So, so what was pain in one area what was, was actually showing up in so many different areas to the point to where if you asked me, Dan, what's wrong with you? I'd say my neck hurts, but I, it wasn't my neck. That was just symptomatic of really where the pain was coming from. And see, when it comes to a heartache, so, it, really a lot of times the pain that you're dealing with is just symptomatic of where the pain is really coming from in your life. And when it comes to a heartache, see, heartaches can show up symptomatically in all different areas. Heartaches can affect so many different parts of your life. Heartache will show up in your choices. It'll show up in your relationships. It's like, you, you couldn't even realize it at first, but maybe you're struggling in your relationships and there's fighting and there's all, all, all sorts of stress going on and you can't come to a common ground with your spouse and like your friends and you, you're not getting along, you're not getting along at work. And it's like it's showing up in your relationship. Well, what's going on? Well, it's coming from somewhere else. So, see, heartaches could show up in your decision making, your judgments. Heart, heartaches could show up in a, in a way where you just want to quit. Like heartaches can get you to a point in life where like symptomatically you're looking at your life and you're wanting to throw in the towel and you're wanting to put a period where God wants to just put a comma. 
And you can be at a place where your heart can be hurting so bad and you don't even realize it's hurting this bad. But, but you get to a point where you think, this is the end of my story. And God goes, no, 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 no. We put a comma here because I haven't even finished talking yet. There's more that I have going on for you. There's more that I want to do. But man, if your heart is aching, it can show up in places where, like, what is wrong with it? So you say, Pastor, what, what do I do when my heart is aching? If, if I can't take anything, for what, what do I do? What do I do when I'm struggling, when I'm hurting, God, when, when, when things don't go my way, when there's disappointment? Because heartache can show up in so many different ways. So I think first, to, to speak about a heartache, we need to understand it. We've got to identify it and understand it so, so we can handle it biblically. And it, biblically, when we look about uh, heartbreaks and heartache, what we're actually talking about is the word grief. Okay, grief is defined like this. Grief is deep sorrow felt in response to a loss. Deep sorrow felt in response to a loss. Every one of us in this room have at some point felt deep sorrow and felt in response to a loss. And it causes a myriad of emotions to come up. You can, grief can show up feeling so many different ways. It can show up feeling like anger or sadness, depression. It can show up so many different ways. The writer C.S. Lewis in his book, A Grief, a grief Observed, the very first sentence of the book is, no one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. That if you're truly grieving something, that you can have that feeling where I can't, I just can't catch my breath. I can't, I'm swallowing all the time. It's like, I'm anxious, I'm worried. I'm so afraid of the next thing. I'm thinking about the next thing coming out. And it's like, you're wondering, what am I so afraid of? What's going on here? But it, it, because symptomatically, it, it can create so many different emotions in your life where what is really taking place is you're grieving something. You're, it's, it's sorrow felt over a loss, deep sorrow felt over a loss. But, but a lot of times we, we fail to recognize that it's even grief. Because we're thinking what I'm really dealing with is the symptom. Uh, what I'm really dealing with is a neck ache. You know, what, what I'm really dealing with is that I feel sad today. What I'm really dealing with is I feel angry today. And we're not recognizing that, that, that we've lost something. And that's what grief is. Grief is, it, is the process that you and I go through when we lose something. See, grief is not an evil emotion. It's not an emotion of inadequacy. Grief is a human emotion and it's a human process that we all are supposed to go through in order to be able to heal from the things that you and I lose. Grief is natural, it's a good thing. But we have to learn how to recognize and how to process grief properly. Because every one of us are gonna experience grief in our life because every one of us have lost something in our lives. And unfortunately, too many people, we use the word grief uh, synonymously with bereavement. We, we use it with the thoughts of the loss of a loved one, that, that you talk about grief when you talk about mourning, when a loved one passes away. And though that is true, it is not complete. Because grief is also experienced anytime that you lose something that you care about. And here's what I know about every person in this room. Every one of us, we've lost something that we care about. And, and, and when we lose something that we care about, we go through a process of grief. And, and, and you just think about in your life, there's things that you've lost that you care. You, you've lost a job 
and, and you've grieved that job. Or maybe you've lost a relationship and you grieve that relationship. You've lost hope in something. You've, you had a dream and the dream fell through and, uh, and you grieved that. Or like you had plans and the plans didn't come to pass and, and you grieve that. Anytime there's loss in something, you grieve that thing that you've lost. And man, even in this last couple of months with all this COVID, there's been stuff that you've been losing Man, I have teenage kids and talking about the fact that the things that they've lost out on. I mean, we could, we could be cold-hearted to uh, this generation and just be like, yeah, well, get over it. But the truth is, if you, you've been going to school your whole life and it's your senior year and you don't get to walk in your graduation and you don't have a prom, you lost something. Right? If you're a parent and you're like, my kids are finally in school, they should go off to school and they have to stay home with you. You lost something, right? So it's like you, when you lose something, you feel grief. But many times we, we just kind of push off like, ah, no, nah, no, nah, you just, just get over it. Oh, see, we've got we've to address the fact that every one of us have lost something and every one of us grieve. It's not just the loss of a loved one, but if you care about something, you will grieve it when you lose it. Everyone, did you know that even Jesus grieved? The shortest verse in the Bible. If you're watching from home, see who can type it in first. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? It's two words. Anyone know? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. We see in John that Jesus wept. Well, what was the context of this? The context was the fact that Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, right, that gets word that his, his friends get word to Jesus, he's sick, he's gonna die, and Jesus could have done something and he didn't do it. And they were all upset with Jesus because you could have come through and you didn't do it. And, and, and the Bible says that Lazarus died and, and Jesus came to the tomb of where Lazarus was. And in this verse, this very powerful verse comes up and says, Jesus wept. What is so fascinating about this verse? What's fascinating about this verse is that this is God incarnate. That just, this is Jesus, this is the son of God, he's all knowing. He knows that he is about to do a medical anomaly and raise Lazarus from the dead. He is about to do a miracle and show himself as the resurrection and the life. He's gonna show that he can make dead things live again. He knows that this is the platform for an enormous miracle for the world to see that this is the son of God. But, but in the moment what did he do? He wept for the fact that someone that he loved was dead. He lost something that he cared about. Why? Because grief is the price you pay when you care. And I think what we would do, what our culture would tell us to do, and what we try to do in our own hearts is we say, okay, then what I'm going to do is I'm not going to care anymore. Forget them, I don't care what they think. I'm gonna put walls up here. I'm, I'm not letting anyone close. I tried to give my heart away and they just wrecked my heart. So no, that's not happening again. And, and I tried to bring my talents to the workplace and they didn't appreciate my talents. So no, I'm just not doing that anymore. And we try to wall ourselves off and become hard-hearted, but God does not want your heart to become hard-hearted. He wants you to stay soft and pliable so he can use you. That's why he tells you, I want you to mourn with those who mourn. I want 
want you to weep with those who weep. I want you to celebrate with those who celebrate. Like he wants us to stay soft hearted. He wants us to, to experience grief, but to not let it take us to a place where we become hard. Well, well, how do you do that, pastor? How do you do that? We, we've got to recognize first off that, that grief is something that comes seasonally. Grief that is something that comes for a period of time, but it doesn't stay. That's why the Bible tells us, says this, it says weeping, this is Psalms chapter 30, verse five, weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Weeping, a time where you're sad, is going to happen and it may stay for the night, but the good news, church, is that joy comes in the morning. The good news is that you can get back up again and the sun is gonna rise and God is gonna shine his face and his favor on you and his love on you and joy can come in the next day. So here, this is what I'm trying to tell you is you're going to be sad sometimes. You're going to grieve loss sometimes, but you don't have to live there. You don't have to stay there. And, and this is what someone needs to hear, either online or in this room right now, is that you need to know you've been in a darkness and you have been in a night season where there has been so much loss and so much weeping and so much grief. But I'm here to tell you that the sun is rising right now, that God is coming, that God is on the move, and he can bring you out of this darkness and he can bring you into life, that he can take ashes that you're in right now and he can make beauty from ashes that that our God can do so much in you even if you feel like you're in the darkest place you've ever been in your life that that weeping may last for a moment but in the morning comes rejoicing you got to understand first off that that it's seasonal that it you're going to experience grief every one of us will but you should not stay there you should not live there. So this is like the centrality of the message that I want to teach to you today. I want, I want to give you this, this principle and then I'm going to give you three very simple points of how to live it out and walk it out is this. We have to understand as followers of Christ, as believers, that, that we're all going to experience grief, okay? So don't miss this. Unmanaged grief can become despair, Unmanaged grief can become despair. Well, what's the difference? What's the difference? Okay, well, grief is something you feel when you experience loss. What is despair? Despair is the loss of hope. Grief is what you feel when you lose something. Despair is, is hopelessness. And I'm telling you, there are many of you that you have lost some things in your life. You've lost some things in this last season. You've lost your things since this whole COVID thing happened. And I'm, telling, I'm here to tell you, whatever you lose, don't lose hope. You might have lost that relationship, but don't lose hope. You might have lost that job, but don't lose hope. You, you, you might have lost your dreams, but don't lose hope. Don't lose hope because our God is a God who is in the business of restoring our hope, in the business of restoring our dreams. So how do you do that then? How, how do you manage your, your life in a way to where when you experience grief, you don't let it mutate into something called despair? When I experienced grief, I, I lost a job. How do you make sure that that doesn't become despair? I'll never get another good job. Or... or grief that relationship didn't work out 
to despair. I'm never going to be happy. Grief, this opportunity, the door closed on my face to to despair. I'm never going to get a good opportunity. See, grief gone unmanaged can become despair. How do you do that? Well, I think that as we look in Scripture, we have this beautiful picture that God showed us the story in Scripture of using David as an example of someone who lost something so important to him. He lost something that you, many of us, we can't even understand the depth of his pain and his loss, and yet he did not let his grief become despair. He had a couple things that he did that kept him from that. He managed his grief properly. Well, you say, well, what did David lose? Well, David lost a child. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? I know there's some of you in this room that you know exactly what that feels like. Some of you watching online, you you know exactly what it feels like to lose a child. I I couldn't imagine that pain. I couldn't even, I, I can't even comprehend it. But the good news is you're, Your heavenly father, he remembers what it was like when his son died. And he can meet you right where you are. He can meet you right in the middle of your pain and pain that maybe you felt decades ago, but it still rises up and it hits you like a wave of grief and a wave of sorrow that you didn't even remember that you could still go through. It'll just still hit you again. Well, he still knows and he still cares and he can still meet you there. David lost something so important. He lost a child. So for the rest of us that haven't lost something like that, what does this do? God's word is living and active for today. It's sharper than any double-edged sword for today. This isn't just a biblical story from the past. This is something that can affect the depths of your heart today. What does this mean? What does the loss of a child mean? The loss of a baby can symbolize losing something that you gave birth to. You gave birth to a business, right? Some of you, you made the investment and you, you, you started the business and now you've lost the business or, or maybe you invested into building a home and you lost along the way. You invested into a relationship. You, you, were, you were giving birth to intimacy and, and somewhere along the way you lost it. There was, there was a hope and a dream somewhere deep inside your heart. You brought it forward. You thought it was gonna come to fruition. You saw it even for a moment and then you gave birth to it and now... Now it's been taken from you. See, the loss of a child could, could be a symbol of the loss of something you've given birth to. It could also be symbolized losing something that you're emotionally tied to. Like he, David had an emotional tie to this child. Bathsheba carried for nine months. He knew that this child was his blood. And for seven days, he got to see the child. He got to hold the child. He got to love the child. There was a connection there. It's like, and he had an emotional tie to this child. There's some of you, you have an emotional tie to something that has been taken from you. You had a dream that you thought, I always wanted this to happen. I always wanted my relationships to work out this way. I always wanted my life to work out this way. You can lose something that you have a tie to. You could lose a friend group that you have a tie to. You could lose a hobby. You could lose a dream. You could lose all sorts of things. And it's like, maybe it was, it was never really even yours. Maybe it never really even existed. But, but, but to some point, you have an emotional tie to it. So now that it feels like it's gone, you have this deep loss. And here we have David in this place where he's experiencing deep loss. And he says, I have got to manage my emotions because if I don't, I'm gonna become a person of despair and I'm gonna lose all hope. 
I'm going to lose hope for my life. I'm going to lose hope for who I am. I'm going to lose hope for how I can lead. I'm going to lose hope for how I can be a father, for how I can be a king. And I can't let that happen. So we see that David did three things, and this is what I want to encourage you with, church family. And any person listening, if you know someone, if you're watching right now and you know someone who's grieving, who's going through pain, I want to encourage you to share this with them. Send it to them. Send it private link. Send it on Facebook. Do whatever you got to do. But, but this is so helpful to any person who, who is trying to manage grief so they don't become a person of despair. The first thing that David did is he wept. The Bible says that he wept. He fell face first down on the ground and he wept. He tore his clothes and he cried. Now, am I saying what you gotta do is cry? No, I'm not saying it. It's like, cause I know immediately a lot of the men would be like, this pastor wants me to like cry and get all sniffles and stuff. It's like, you sing Kumbaya all by yourself. I'm gonna do my own thing, right? It's like, what am I talking about? Uh, weeping represents um, being honest emotionally with God. Where am I emotionally with God? Am I willing to be honest with the God who created me? To tell him this is really what's going on in my heart. This is really how I feel. God, I'm sad. God, I'm angry. Because your willingness to weep before God is directly connected to your view of God. Because if if you view your God as an unjudgmental, loving father who, who loves you with an unconditional love and who is omniscient and knows everything about you, then you're like, there's nothing I need to hide from my God. I could just talk to him. He loves me. He's not going to judge me. He cares about me. He's like, I'm all good with my God. Like, uh, but if you have this view of God, like he's just like sitting on some throne far away from you, arms crossed, looking for you to make a mistake so he can strike some bolt of lightning at you or something. If that is your view of God, then we get into this feeling of like, oh, I've gotta, I gotta just play and pretend and put a smile on my face and act like I'm all good, like we do around everyone else that we don't trust around everyone else that we don't feel like we're intimate enough with or close enough with to be our authentic self with. So what do we do? It's just like we do when we come in on a Sunday morning and we look all nice and you got your hair done and you're looking all pretty. You've got a mask that matches the rest of your outfit today. It's like that. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor right now. Tell him you look good. You look good right now. You look good. But here's the question. Let me ask you this honestly. You look good on the outside, but how is your heart? How is your heart? Because what we can do with God is we can try to put up the front, like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm all right, I'm good. And he's like, are you? Are you good? Because, like, remember, I created you. Remember, I'm omniscient. Okay, so if God is omniscient, if he knows everything, he knows your thoughts before they became your thoughts. In fact, he knows your thoughts before you became you understand that? That the Bible says in Revelations, from the foundation of the earth, the lamb was slain. Do you understand what that scripture means? From the foundations of the earth, the lamb was slain. So that means when the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are there together creating uh, the, the earth, the heavens, and everything in it, the foundation of that, before there was earth, before there was you and I, there was the decision, there was going to be a lamb who was slain, that Jesus Christ, God himself, would come incarnate and die on the cross for sins and pay the price and shed his blood for all sins. What is this saying? God is saying, before you knew there was a problem, I already created the solution to it. 
Before you ever knew that you would go through this pain, I already created the solution to it. I already provided a way. I already sent my son. I already knew this. So, so what is he saying? He's saying, I, I, I know who you are. You don't have to hide from me because I know who you are. I created you. you are, are you really going to act like I don't know you? See, I think sometimes we have shame in our lives because of the different mistakes we make. And anytime there's shame in our lives, we, we get this attitude like we have to hide ourselves from God. That's like in the garden, right? When, when Adam and Eve went off because they sinned and they tied fig leaves around themselves, like God created them, they were naked, they like, he knew the whole thing. It's like now they got a leaf around me, it's like God's not gonna know what I look like anymore. <laughs> Where'd that come from? It came from shame. Why? Because they were hiding, 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 hiding from God, hiding from God, hiding from God who knows everything, who sees everything, who was there with you and how he knows your end before he created the foundations of the earth. Hiding from God. He comes out, Adam, Eve, where are you guys at? Hey! Yo, where are my peeps at? This is our time, guys. We were going to meet together. We're hanging out. Where you at? And they said, God, we're, we were naked. We were ashamed, so we hid ourselves. You're naked and ashamed, so you hide yourself. See, that says a lot about your view of God. Anytime there's shame, in the presence of your relationship with God, there's a misunderstanding of the love of God for you. And if you walk in shame in your relationship with God, you're misunderstanding the fact that God knows you're in from your beginning and that he loves you and he cares about you and he created you. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. The Bible says in Psalms 103, verse 13, as a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows that we are, we're formed. He remembers that we, are, that we are dust. It's like God's saying like, listen guys, like, you might not have known that you would do that, but I knew that you would do that. And you might not have known that you were even capable of that, but I knew that you were capable of that. And you might not have known that you would find yourself in a season where you feel this way, but I knew that you would find yourself in a season that you would feel this way. God's saying like, not only did I know all of this, I already put in place the solution. I put my son on a cross for you. I, I, I put him there to shed his blood for you. I made a way, so why are you hiding? He's like, as long as you keep hiding, I can't fix it, but as soon, as soon as you just get honest with it, as soon as you're honest with me, because you got this smile on your face, like you got it all together, and I'm all good. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. It's like we walk around with our cliches. He's like, okay, yeah, but now can we talk about your feelings? 
when can we talk about what's really going on with you? Because when you recognize he knows every bit of you and he still loves you, that he knows your problems and he still made a way for you, when you recognize that, then you're like, God, if you know anyways, I might as well talk about it. And I don't know if I'm right, but I'm, uh, this is the way I feel, so I'm gonna tell you about it. And I, it's probably not right for me to be angry with you, but I am angry with you, so I'm gonna tell you about it. It's probably not right for me to look this way. I, I might not be full of faith right now, and I might not sound like your child right now, when I talk this way, but it's the way I feel, so I'm gonna talk to you about it, and I'm just gonna be honest, and this is the process of weeping, and just, God, this is the truth of who I am, and how I feel, and what's in my heart, and God's like, now that you've revealed it, I can heal it. If you reveal it, then I'll heal it. So David, in the midst of his pain, pain I can't even comprehend, is on the ground, Weeping before the Lord. That was the first thing he did to manage his disappointment and manage his grief properly. The second thing he did is he washed. So David wept, then he washed. Why is this important? Well, in this time period, it was customary that any priest, before he went into the, t- the tent of meeting to meet with God, there, there was a process of washing before he went in. Well, we... we we come before God in a different way now because of our relationship with Jesus Christ and the fact that you and I have been washed in the blood. So what is this a symbol of? The washing before going into the tent of the meeting, the meeting was a symbol of the fact that any time that you and I enter the presence of God, there are gonna be things that get washed off of us. It's a purification process. It's a sanctification process. It's the uck that gets off of you, the dirty that gets off of you. Because don't you know, when you're in a process of grieving, you get some dirt all over you. If, you, if there's anyone here honest enough to say, you would know that you've been through enough pain. There are some things that get on you that don't deserve to be on you and that you don't want on you and you wish it wasn't on you and you would do anything you could do to get it off of you. But you're like, I didn't even know this could get on me, but it's on me. And David is laying on the ground crying with tears all over his face. His face is in the dirt. Can you imagine? He gets up and he's covered in the dirt. He's covered in the, 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 the evidence of his pain. He's like, I gotta wash. Because I wasn't created to live with this type of dirt on me. I wasn't created to live with this uck on me. God wants me in a different place, so I've gotta wash. I gotta get some of this off of me. And don't you know when you're grieving, you will start to think things that you would never think before. You might start to consider things that like, I would never have considered that before, but I'm in so much pain right now that, that it's like stuff is getting on me and now anger's getting on me and now rage is getting on me and now sadness is getting on me and all of a sudden it's like now you're feeling depression on you and it's like, I, I used to have a problem, like I'd have a problem with people who were depressed. I'm like, just cheer yourself up until you go through something. And once you've lived a little bit and you go through a little bit and you get a little bit of that on you, you start to realize, wait a minute, oh, now I have a heart for someone who's gone through depression because they've got something on them. They didn't want it on them, but it got on them when they were grieving. It got on them when they were hurting. And so there's this process of I've got to get in the presence of God because I need him to wash me clean. I need this stuff off of me. It's like, God, 
I know I wasn't created to have this on me. I wasn't created to live in anger like this. I wasn't created to live with just this self, self-righteousness and this seeking of revenge. I wasn't created to just lose sleep over fantasizing about the way I wish things would have been. I wasn't created to be in this sadness. I wasn't created to be in this depression. And, and how many of you would just be honest enough to say, man, when you're in pain, you get dirt on you. In that dirt, you're like, God, would you do something about it? So after David went through a process of weeping, he got to a place where he's like, God, I need to get clean from this. I need to get clean from what I picked up along the way in my pain. And see, don't you recognize that when Jesus died on the cross, that that that's when the cleansing work happened for you and I? That's when the cleaning happens. See, we talk all the time about the blood. We talk about the fact that Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood. That's the the payment for our sins, the atonement for our sins, okay? But what is not mentioned enough is when a spear was jabbed into Jesus' side, not just blood flew out of him, but at the same time flowed out of him water, blood and water flowed out of him. Water being the symbol of cleansing, of of cleaning us. What does that mean is that for you and I that believe in Jesus Christ and have a personal relationship with him, we're forgiven, our sins are atoned for by the blood. But what is the water? The water is showing us that he has already done the work to clean all the dirt off of you. That you don't have to go through life depressed. You don't have to go through life angry. You don't have to go through life this bitter. You don't have to go through life every day focused on the problems of the past, but he can wash you clean and you can come into his presence and it's in his presence where he helps wash away those things that you were never meant to carry. And there are some of you that you wear it like like a tattoo. Well, I got this on me and it's just gonna be there. You say, no, no, no. I created you for more than that. So to manage your grief properly so it doesn't become despair, so you don't get to a place in your life where you feel hopeless, number one, David wept. Number two, he washed. And then number three, I'm, I'm excited about number three. You ready for number three? My favorite point, number three. After David wept and after David washed, David then went and worshiped. He got up. He cleaned himself up and he went into the presence of God and he started worshiping God. Think about this. I lost what I wanted. My son died. I had hope that he would live. I prayed and asked God, God, would you let him live? And God didn't do it so I could be mad at God. My son died. Things didn't go my way, but I'm gonna get up and I'm going to go worship. Why? Why, church? Why would David do that? Get this, because he's saying, listen, I'm broken right now, and I can't stay mad at the only one who can fix me. My heart is broken right now, and I can't stay mad at the only one who can fix my broken heart, because we go through scripture, we see people, they try everything. With with our sinful lifestyle, we try to anesthetize pain, we try to cover it up, we try to ignore it, but what we should do is address it. And he's saying, I'm gonna address this and bring this before God. God's the only one that can fix it. I'm not gonna try to numb it. I'm not gonna go to drugs. I'm not gonna go to alcohol. I'm not gonna go to anything else. I'm gonna go, God, you are the only one who can fix me, so I am going to 
worship you. And beyond the fact that he's the one that can fix you, do you not recognize that whether or not you have a good day, that does not change the fact that your God is worthy of worship. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you realize you are not the same today as you were yesterday? And you're changing now and will not be the same tomorrow. So that means you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. So your fluctuation in life, your fickleness in life, has nothing to do with the constant fact that he is holy and he is good and he is worthy and he is righteous. So if you're feeling like it, worship him. If you're not feeling like it, worship him. If you're angry, with him worship him why because he deserves it but when you get to that place and you worship him anyways you might feel like you're faking it but you put a smile on your face and you got tears running down the side of your cheeks and you still sing out that God you are faithful and you are good and you are holy and I don't understand but it's still all that it is well with my soul I worship you God when you get to that place that is then when God comes in and he starts to heal you where you go yes I went through grief yes I went through pain but he healed me I'm still here today you want to know why all this happened I believe it happened for a couple of reasons. First off, God loves you enough to heal you. That's number one and most important. But after David wept and washed and worshiped and God began that healing work in his life, do you know what happened next in the story? The very next thing that happened, the Bible says, is that David then went and comforted Bathsheba. David had been through such a painful time and he went and took his pain and he took the healing from that pain and went and shared it with someone else who was hurting. Why? Because Bathsheba just lost a child too. And not only did she lose a child, she lost a husband. So in one year, she lost a husband and a child. She was hurting even more than David was hurting. Okay, and in that place, David, is, he comes to her and he's like, I'm gonna minister to you now. So why is it that God would heal you? Because number one, he loves you, but number two, he can use your hurts and your pain and healing you through that to help other people who are hurting. And that's why the enemy so hard is trying to take you out. He's trying to get you to a point where you won't forgive, where, where you're just going to stay bitter and mean and angry because there's people around you in your life that, that God wants to use you as a light in their life to show his love and to shine on, uh, on, on them and to, to bless them and pray for them and comfort them. But, but he wants to get you to a point where you're so broken and so full of despair and so hopeless where you're like, nah. Someone else can handle that. And the healing work of God then gets thwarted by the fact that we didn't let him work on us first. And see, I wonder how many of us in this room have gone through such horrible grief, horrible pain. I I know some of your stories. I look at some of you right now and I know that there's been loved ones that have been lost. There there have been children who have died. There have been families that have fallen apart. There's been betrayal. There's been all sorts of pain that have come your way. And what we tend to do is we tend to just get into a shell of ourselves and back off. But there's a different way to do it. And if we do it like this example we see in Scripture where we let God heal us by we 
weep before him, we wash before him, and we worship him. When we let him do that work, then we can get healed. And David then goes to Bathsheba, and he's not just going saying, hey, you should fix yourself. He's saying, listen, I've been here, and I know what to do. I know exactly what to do, so let me walk with you through this. We are going to weep together, and we are going to to wash ourselves and get these thoughts out of our minds and get clean before God, and we are going to worship him because he's the only one who can fix us. I can take you through your pain. See, there's one thing, like, like it's one thing to know book knowledge about how to fix something, but it's completely different when you have the experience yourself. I want to ask every person to stand to your feet right now because I'm speaking to two different crowds of people. And for a moment, I want to talk to those of you that you have been through incredible pain in your life and you've just been keeping it as part of your story, no one else's business. <coughs> Excuse me. No one else's business. And, and here's what I want to tell you. That place where you have been attacked the most by the devil can be the place that God uses the most powerfully for you to minister to other people. That place where you have been hurt the most, you don't even want to talk about it. You don't want to think about it. If you let God heal you, he, you, he can then use you to be like, listen, I know that it's difficult to come out of this addiction, but just take me by the hand because what we're going to do is we're going to weep before God and we're going to get this clean before God and we're going to confess before God and we're going to worship our God and I'm going to walk with you through this. Some of you have gone through divorce and people are hurting and their hearts are broken and you could say, listen, you, you could say, I'm just going to, no, I'm just, you do you but you could also do what God is asking us to do and say hey let me walk with you through this and I know how bad it hurts so let's weep together and let's wash together and let's worship together because God wants to use your pain for his good what the enemy meant for evil he will turn it around for good if you will just let him what am I trying to say I'm saying don't waste your pain You have been through way, way too much to just throw your experiences in the trash. Way too much. If the devil is going to attack you in the way that he did and try to take from you what he took from you, not only do you have the right to get it back, but you should make him pay for it by doing it God's way and making other people then step out of the type of pain that God that God never intended for them to have, but the enemy wanted them to have. So if you bow your heads and close your eyes, I know for the rest of us right now, you might be in a place where you feel like you are just in enormous amounts of grief. You're hurting. You need to be honest with God and honest with yourself, realizing that there are some thoughts that are going through your head that is just the dirt of pain. that's That's not even who you are. And you need to reject those thoughts and wash them off. The things that you're considering right now, the ways you're thinking right now, your hope for revenge. Gotta recognize those aren't even yours. And in the presence of God, as we stand underneath the blood that was shed for us, the water that poured from his side, that we are cleansed by his work on the cross, that we are clean before him. He never intended us to stay dirty. He cleans us. So what I want to ask you to do with no one looking around with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you are in a place right now where you would say, I have lost something and I am grieving, big or small, and you need help from God with that right now, just put your hand up so I can pray for you. Thank you for your honesty. 
Heavenly Father, you see our hands, and in our hands right now represent our submission to you and the fact that, that, God, we have all lost things. Some of us have lost hope. Some of us have lost dreams. Some of us have lost relationships. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have lost loved ones. For every one of us, it's different on the sliding scale of where we are in our pain, but God, you know exactly where we are, and we're grieving it. So I pray right now in Jesus' name, you would help us to manage our grief properly so we do not become people of despair, but we always become people who have hope, hope in you, hope in the fact that you are always gonna move us forward, that you're always gonna change us, that you have plans for us and they're good and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. God, our trust is in you. So as you see us come before you now, we are just saying, God, Give us the courage and the grace to be honest with you, to weep with you, to wash before you, and that God, as we worship you, you would heal us. I thank you so much for your love for us, God. I thank you that you don't leave us alone, that you never forsake us, that you never leave us, no matter how we feel. So God, I pray you bless each and every person here. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. Amen. Let's give our God a shout of praise. Well, thank you, church family, for being here. And if you're joining us online, we thank you so much for watching. We can't wait for the day that you can be under the same roof with us again very soon. We love you, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I want to thank you for that. I want to ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the very first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, please click the first time link located in the description below this video. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week for our online services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m.